Now, I want you to take your Bible tonight, if you would, and I want you to turn to the little book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Someone has said that the book of Philippians is the most heartfelt book of Paul of all the letters that Paul wrote. Uh, it is the it is the one mission. It's the one book that's all about missions, pretty much all about missions. And so we're going to look at missions tonight in a little bit different way. And I want to uh, I kind of present it this way: uh, Who is affected? Who who's affected by your uh, mission, getting involved in your missions program. Now, when we say a missions program, we're talking about giving to missions to send somebody. But we're also talking about helping to knock doors in your community. When you do that, you're fully involved in missions. That's what missions is, home and broad. But I want us to look tonight because I, I think a lot of times, and I, I speak from my own heart early on in my Christian life, is that I look at missions as just an economic thing where I would put in my early life, $10 a week in the offering plate. And I felt like if I filled out an offering envelope, put my $10 there, I did my part to missions. And that's kind of how the average person in the church thinks about missions. They'll say, well, hey, I give to missions to send missionaries. I pray for missionaries. But uh, I, I want us to take a look at uh, missions tonight in this, how Paul speaks about it here in this book. And, uh, when I read this and, and, and went through these four little chapters, they're not long chapters. It's all one little letter that Paul writes to this Philippian church. So if you're able to stand with me, I'm going to begin reading in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number uh, 10. It says in Philippians 4.10, it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Now, this is Paul, the missionary, writing to this church, saying, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now that word to communicate there means, actually the word means to, to give or to distribute. It means that you distributed, you communicated with me. It doesn't mean you just wrote me a letter. But, but you communicated to me in my affliction. Uh, it might even be the idea of communicating by sending somebody to him to help Paul. He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, uh, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye said once and again, unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which you were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply 
all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, we love Philippians 4.19, but that's not just a canvas verse to cover all Christianity. It's in the context of Paul writing to this particular church that was giving and sacrificing for him as a missionary so he could carry on the gospel and help meet Paul's needs. So Paul says this to them, our God is going to meet all your needs. So sometimes we read that and say, you know, we quote this all the time. My God will supply all my needs according to my, his riches in Christ Jesus. But there's no obligation for God to supply the need of somebody that won't help supply the needs that he's asked us to supply. So in the context of this letter, it's really that verse number 19 is really a promise to anyone that is involved in worldwide missions and getting out and helping someone else. And if you're willing to help somebody else in need, whether it's your neighbor or whatever, by just giving them the gospel or helping at the same time to be putting money uh, towards a missions program so others can take it beyond just your area, then God says, here, you don't ever have to worry about it. I'll always supply all your needs as well. So let's pray and we'll get into this message tonight. Father, thank you uh, again for these faithful ones that are here. I pray that we can glean from these four chapters uh, tonight just a few moments about uh, who, who is affected by our missions giving? I think it, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see before the night is out that my mission dollars and my mission going affects a whole lot more than I ever realized. I pray that you'll bless the message tonight. Open our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now in this little letter to the Philippian church, the Apostle Paul, writing from a Roman prison, is expressing his heartfelt gratitude to this church for their participation in giving and helping him in his efforts to get the gospel out as a missionary. Uh, Sometimes I, I, I think, that, you know, the task of reaching the whole world uh, with the gospel, that's kind of an overwhelming thing to me. When you think of about maybe eight to eight and a half billion people and the bulk of them are in the 1040 window of which most of us would never in our lifetime visit Southeast Asia, India, uh, Singapore, you know, Afghanistan, all of those areas, uh, Vietnam, places of that nature. Uh, I've been to Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia and Singapore, been to those, those countries. I have not been to India, but uh, I've been to places where there's literally hundreds of millions of people, and it's just unbelievable. And I'm thinking in my mind, how could, how could just a few churches back in America ever reach all of them with the gospel? But, you know, the plan of God is that as we reach one, then they reach one, and they reach one, and that's the reproduction process of getting the gospel. It's not my job to reach everybody in Southeast Asia, but it is my job to try to do what I can to see that how Southeast Asia is given the gospel. Right. And then God those people that get saved over there, then they can start to reach their own people and maybe even a little more effectively than somebody coming from a country like our own. And that's the plan of God is that they reproduce that way. So when we think about the task of, and the challenge ahead of us of reaching the whole world, in Paul's case here, when Paul went out, uh, he was the really in a sense almost the second missionary. Jesus was the first missionary and God called Paul and there was a whole globe and a whole world at that time, and pretty populated world. 
and yet Paul had it before him to take the gospel into all the world. So I would even have thought it would even have, have come across as more of a challenge for Paul to reach uh, the regions beyond. And when he would attempt to go into places that had never heard or seen or understood uh, or uh, where nobody else had ever carried the gospel, he had to strive to get the gospel to them. Uh, the Bible talks about that in Romans chapter 15 where he said, I strive to preach the gospel where it had never been named before. And when he met, he strived to mean it was a battle. It was an uphill challenge all the time. He was beaten and, and, and thrown into prison and, and threatened that, you know, you don't preach in this thing, but he just kept on going and going and doing what he possibly could. One thing uh, Paul learned in, in that is that even though he sometimes was abased and faced bonds, he could still rejoice knowing that nothing could bind the power of the gospel. Amen. Let me read you a verse here. It's in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 9. He said, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Amen. You can't bind the word of God. He said in Philippians 1.12, I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Think about that so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So even when Paul was in prison, the gospel was still going out because Paul had already led some people to Christ and churches had been started. So even if, even if this church decided we're not going to do any mission, God is still going to find a way through others that have received the gospel because the gospel can't be stopped. Amen. God's going to find a way. And, but he's always going to do it through the ministry and institution of a local church. Amen. There, there's, no other, there's no other institution out there that can get the gospel to the world. That's why God established the church Amen. in the gospels and had the 12 apostles be its first members and commissioned that first church and said, you have the responsibility now of taking the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world and share that gospel with them. We're not responsible for the results. We're just responsible for the message to get to them. And if we'll get the message to them, then God will do the rest. Amen. The Holy Spirit will work in their hearts just like he did mine that I told you about last night. Just to get the gospel to them. But we've got to get the gospel to our neighbors. We've got to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And so Paul uh, said, even if I'm in bounds and even if I'm in prison and so forth, uh, the, the, further, the gospel is still being furthered. It's still going out. Now, in, in this Philippian letter, Paul's going to, I think, reveal to us as to who is affected and who benefits from missions giving and missions going uh, and how it has a greater impact than we might think. It affects, uh, go much further than just something economic. Mm -hmm. And I try to strive this to my own church. Our missions program is more than just economic. Mm -hmm. You know, do we want to have a, a, a large increase so that we can add more missionaries? Yeah, a larger economic increase, but we want, we want our members to connect with our missionaries and pray for our missionary. The prayer part of it has nothing to do with the economic part of it. And so we want our people to pray. So we, we connect with our missionaries as much as possible and, and get our own people uh, to understand that God wants to call some of them right from where they're at and call them out of the church. So we are constantly sending 
uh, young people like my granddaughter and others off to Bible college that feel called to go into the ministry. And we didn't say you're going to go into the ministry, but because we are get them actively involved in seeing others and reaching others, they get a burden. And now they want to go and train and find out what can I do to do more than I'm already doing. And so our church is not just economically putting money in an offering plate and praying for missionary, but we're, we're going into our own community with thousands of tracks and knocking doors. One third of all of the visitors of our church come through our door knocking outreach. We, we track it. We have three ways, basically, that people come to your church. They, they come when you give an invitation verbally and invite somebody personally, maybe on a job, hey, you ought to come to our church. And so they come that way. They, they, they look it up on the web and they see our church is on the web. And so they visit us through the, by coming from that invitation to the web. And that's one third of all of our, our people who come to our church comes through contacting us from the web and one third from personal invitation. But one, the other third comes from our outreach. And we, we're out there trying to win them at the door. We're out there trying to get them into our church. We're trying to do whatever we can. And the whole purpose is not just so we can have a crowd. It's not just so we can brag about numbers. It's so that we can get the gospel to them. Amen. Whether it's, whether it's uh, in our church or in the community or whatever it is, it's all about the gospel. And so I want, first of all, and notice if you would, in verse number 15, of Philippians chapter 4, Paul makes it clear that their missions giving had a direct impact upon the church. Now, when you think about giving to missions or getting involved in missions, it, 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 the first one that it affects more than anything else is the church itself. You say, well, in what way? Well, note, notice it says, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, now, th that phrase right there, the beginning of the gospel, does not refer back to where the gospel first got started. It, it refers to these Philippians when they first were exposed or became acquainted with the gospel themselves. Paul said, when I came into Macedonia and gave you the gospel, that's the beginning of the gospel for you. And so Paul is saying here, uh, this word, uh, he over and over talks about uh, in the beginning of the gospel. And I believe the word gospel uh, is a description of what the church's primary mission is all about. Notice how many times Paul refers to this word gospel in this epistle. He says uh, in, in Philippians chapter 1, look at verse Philippians, let's go back here to chapter 1, verse number 5, and he says this, for your fellowship in the gospel. Everything Paul speaks to, he attaches the gospel to it. It's all about the gospel. The word fellowship there, actually, if you were to look it up, the word is synonymous with the word partnership. When you're in a boat with somebody, you're partners together. And so Paul is saying, uh, 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 you know, for your partnership in the gospel, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So he uses the word gospel here to talk about people within this particular church partnering with him and fellowshipping with him for the same cause to get the gospel out. And then notice, if you would, in verse number seven, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're all partakers of my grace. Notice again, he uses the confrontation or confirmation of the gospel. He talks about in verse number 12, but I would ye should understand, brethren, 
that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. Verse number 17, he says this, but the other uh, of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And then he talks about, in verse number 27, only let your conversation uh, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be present, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Everything Paul is saying here, he's saying here, he's really saying to this church, it's all about the gospel. Amen. Whether it's the furtherance of the gospel, the confirmation of the gospel, in defense of the gospel, it, it, or, or whether or not it, it has to do with the faith of the gospel, or, or whatever, standing true to the gospel is really the message he's got here to this church. I didn't just establish you so you could get saved and, and now you get to go to heaven so now you can just live out the rest of your life saying, well, I'm not worried about it. But no, uh, you got saved through the gospel so that it, everything that you do from this point on should always be about the gospel. It, 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 our life is, it, like Paul said, I was separated unto the gospel as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so uh, fundamentally, when we think about it, Fundamentally, missions and missionary work is all about proclaiming the gospel to a lost and dying world. Mm -hmm. Now, I realize there's a lot of opinions today when it comes to defining what missions is. Uh, there are some people that believe missions involves going and sending people over to countries and helping them grow crops and getting them to where they can eat and grow their own food. The Peace Corps does a lot of that. And a lot of people look at that as mission work. But from a biblical standpoint, that's just kind of a humanitarian kind of a, a ministry. Is there a need to maybe while you're there, help people learn how to grow corn or whatever it is? But, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's some people that believe that missions involves uh, medical aid and ambulatory assistance to physical needs. And, and missionaries that we support, they certainly do that. In fact, uh, uh, the Thomases have somebody within their family that's actually got medical experience and they help uh, aid those people in India with some of their medical needs. But, they, but they're, not, they're not on the foreign field just to help people physically. Right. That's not missions. That's right. Uh, you know, orphanages. Well, you know, we need to go over and build an orphanage for the abandoned children that are there. And I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not uh, against an orphanage. I'm not against, you know, uh, humanitarian type of assistance and so forth. Uh, providing food and growing crops and all that kind of stuff. But that is not the primary mission of a local church. Amen. That is secondary stuff. And what we need to do is we need to realize that everything we do here at Community uh, you know, Baptist Church is it, everything, every ministry we have has a gospel uh, emphasis to it. Right. You know, we have a lot of ministries in our church. And we invite people to come to those special activities. But it's always with the idea that invite your friend to come to our big ladies retreat where we have four or 500 women that come and so forth. And bring your lost friends because we're, we're wanting to get those people in there to present the gospel. It's always about the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. You know, those secondary things are important, but they're not the primary thing. And, and churches, and the reason I emphasize this is because as I travel around the country, I'm seeing churches that are making the secondary things in the ministry the primary thing. 
And the primary thing is being either neglected or ignored, which is getting the gospel out. You know, when your pastor called me and said, would you be willing to come after having a conference with our dad to come because we want to have a missions conference? Very few people, very few churches anymore in the culture we're living in, a lot of these churches are turning inward, not outward. And, and some of them years ago used to have missions conferences and they don't do missions conferences anymore. They don't even do revivals anymore. So when he called and said, we want to have a missions conference, I thought, boy, praise the Lord for that because that's exactly what every church should be doing is finding a way and encouraging people to get the gospel out. Why? Because really when you give or you go to take the gospel, you are affecting or making possible, impacting your own church to help carry out its main objective. Amen. You see, the main objective here and the reason for your existence is not just a place to come and soak it in for ourselves. It's to come and learn what we're supposed to be doing to get the gospel out to everybody else. Amen. And so, really, when we think about it, who is the first one really affected when I give money in an offering plate for missions or if I go and knock on a door and invite somebody and give them a track for the gospel, what I'm doing by doing that affects my own local church because I'm helping my own local church to carry out the main commission and objective of that church. Right. If you don't get to missions and you don't go and witness, you're not aiding or impacting your own church in the Great Commission. That's right. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to get involved. That's why he saved you. He saved you so that you can become burdened, just like I said last night, and come to realize, hey, I have a duty now. I'm a debtor. I, I, I want to get involved. I want to start doing it. And so could you just imagine, you know, if every if this whole building got filled with people and nobody would go and help out the door, or we'd only maybe take on one or two missionaries and, and the church was here for years and years and years, God would look down upon this church and say, you're not emphasizing the main objective, you know. And so, really, when you think about Paul writing to this church here, and he's emphasizing the gospel over and over and over again, and I only did in chapter 1, but throughout this whole book, he, he brings up the gospel all the time, because that's what it's all about. That's the fundamental uh, objective and reason for a church's existence. And a part of that, uh, you know, we don't, it didn't make any difference if they did secondary thing. But Paul kept coming back and saying, it's all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. So it's, we've got to constantly be reminded all the time of a lost and dying world. And that's why he's showing you, uh, you know, uh, videos of countries where maybe you've never been or never seen and begin to see the need of how lost those people are. And how many missionaries will come back and say, there's only two missionaries like us in all this land, and there's like 30 million people, and we can't reach them without more, without more help, without others coming and getting a burden for this field. So a missions conference, uh, you know, helps us to get a, a, a feel and a burden for outside our own community, because we're kind of in our own little area here, and we just don't see the need beyond our own little area. There's a whole world out there crying out, just like I said last night from Mastering, come over and help us. Send somebody to help us. Come to our village. Bring the gospel to us. I think Ron Reesner was telling me when he went to Russia, uh, we took Ron on right out of Bible College, uh, right after he went to begin to go to Russia and got on deputation. He said when he got to Russia, he got up into the northern part of Russia 
and the reindeer, they, he went to some of the reindeer people, and you've heard that story. And he said that the people over there uh, saw a Bible for the very first time. They'd never seen a Bible. He said these Russian people were running up, and they were grabbing his Bible and kissing the Bible, you know, wishing that they had it. And so he said, we started giving out pages of the Bible, just a page. And these people would stand in line and gravel to get to just have one page of the Word of God. Now think about that. Think about think about your own life. You know, we just kind of take this book for granted. But I said last night, we've got three or three copies of it, and sometimes Americans don't even open it up except once in a while when they come to church. That's if they remember to bring it. And so, but, but can you imagine in some of these countries, they kiss just to have a copy, just a piece of the Bible. Because they, they've never heard it. You know, they, they, they believe, hey, this is the Word of God, and I get to own a part of the Word of God. So when we think about uh, what, who, who, who is impacted, who's affected by my mission giving and my mission going, well, you're impacting your own church and helping it carry out the reason for its existence. That's right. The reason you're here is for the gospel. But I want you to notice something else here, if you would, in Philippians 1. Uh, and I read this a moment ago, Philippians 1 and verse number 3. He said, I thank my God, Paul said, upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for, uh, for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, when I read that, I, I thought about he was thanking these believers. But then I, I started to look at this passage and begin to realize these people weren't always believers. They used to be lost. Right. These people that are now partnering with Paul were people that were lost that he originally took the gospel to, right. or they helped get the gospel to. So I thought about, secondly, your missions giving and your getting involved in a missions conference helps bring the lost into a spiritual fellowship with God. I want you to notice, you don't need to turn unless you want to, but it's found in 1 John First John chapter number 1 and let me read you this passage of scripture. First John chapter 1 and verse number 1. He says that which was from the beginning which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we've seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now, why, why is he saying that we, here's why we've tried to manifest this to you. He says that, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So keep, think about this. Every lost man has no fellowship with God. Right. The Bible says that we're separated from God in our sin and our iniquity separate us and cut us off from God. But but I had no fellowship until I got saved, but because somebody gave me the gospel, and when I accepted the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved, I now came into a fellowship uh, with the family of God. And, and then when I got baptized, I became a part of the church of God. This isn't in my notes, but I'll just throw it in. This will be free to you. Okay, when you get saved, okay, you're actually just getting saved does not make you a part of the church of God. Okay, 
You're only a part of the family of God when you get saved. There's a difference in the Bible between the family of God that makes you a son and a daughter. When you accept Christ, you're a part of the family of God. But when you follow the Lord and believers' baptism and make it publicly known, you then identify with a local body of believers, which is called the local church, and now you're a member in the church of God because the only church of God on earth is a local called out assembly of people just like you. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first got saved, I thought, man, I'm glad I'm a part of God's church. Well, that was before I got baptized because we kind of get this idea that the church is a universal body of all kinds of believers, no making difference where they are. But that's, there's no church like that in the Bible. That's right. The church in the Bible is the church at Corinth, mm -hmm. the church at Philippi, the church at Berea, the church in Jerusalem. These were all local congregations. Yeah. So you can't have a universal church because I mean, nobody could pastor it. You can't tithe to a universal church. You can't discipline a member in a universal church. So all the instructions in this book are spoken about somebody in a local church. Right. So if you're saved and you're not baptized, you're a part of God's family, but you're not a part of the church. Right. And so it's, it, it's imperative that we do what God's called us to do. In fact, you can study it yourself where he says, they that gladly received his word were then baptized and added to the church. Right. <laughs> it's right there in the Bible. And so a lot of people, you know, I told someone the other night, because we travel around a lot in the last decade or so, we're starting to notice that people like to come and attend a church without really becoming a member of a church. And that's not just here, that's all across America. It's becoming more popular just to attend. And I usually, when I'm in somebody's church, I'll come up to them and say, hey, listen, uh, uh, are you folks members of this church or are you just visiting? Oh, no, we've been attending here for how long, Lucy? Uh, oh, we've been attending here for about five years. Oh, okay. So are you members? No, not yet. And I'm thinking, if you can't join a church after attending it for five years, something's wrong. But really, God, listen, if we want to do what God wants us to do and follow the plan of God, then we have to follow the plan of God. And the plan to get saved is I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we have to come through Jesus Christ. Amen. And then what would God want me to do right after I'm saved? Follow the Lord and believers' baptism and get it baptized in a local New Testament church. Why? So that you can help carry out the great commission of getting the gospel out. This is not a private commission given to individuals. He didn't just give it to a couple of guys and say, you go take the gospel. He gave it to the church. Amen. So the only way you can carry out the gospel to the world is you got to be a part of a church. So we get saved, we get baptized, we're a part of a church, and it's through that church that we're to go and we're to give and getting the gospel out. And so Paul says here, when you get involved in missions through your church, whether you're going out and knocking on the door or you're putting money in an offering plate, which is really, you have to do both in order to carry out Acts 1-8. But when you do that, you are helping to carry out the main objective of your church. Amen. And you're also, when that gospel is received, you're helping the lost man here who has no spiritual fellowship with God. You're helping through that giving and going, you're helping that lost man to come into the fellowship of what's now you're a part of you. So as I was thinking about this, Paul, is not, it's not just a spiritual thing where they get saved and now they're in fellowship with God, but Paul is saying now that they're a member of the church, 
Now they're partnering with me as a missionary to take the gospel up. And so it's a fellowship with Paul. It's a fellowship with God. It's a fellowship with other churches because really one church alone can't reach the world. That's right. We have in our Arizona, we have what we call the Fundamental Independent Baptist Fellowship. That's our fellowship. It's made up of about 50 churches in Arizona. We meet every two months. All of our pastors come together, youth directors and so forth. And what is the purpose of that fellowship? Tea and crumpets? No. We don't just come and have cake and coffee and play golf and see you next two months from now. The whole purpose of us establishing that fellowship is so that a whole group of churches could cooperate together in helping to plant more churches in the state of Arizona and around the world. Amen. And so we come together and we take reports from people. A guy will stand up and say, hey, I got a church started and I need some support. All right, how many will support this guy? And so that's home missions. So we get them involved. I'll give $50, I'll give $100, I'll do that. And we'll raise a couple of thousand dollars for him so that he can go into this community of Arizona and get a church planted. Why? Why is he going to? To get the gospel to that community. And who is supporting him? Well, it's all this group of independent Baptist churches that are sending him out. But who makes up those churches? It's the individuals within those churches that give the money so that pastor can say, we're going to help this man. And so it, it, it's when a lost man gets saved, your mission dollars, your mission money, uh, your mission involvement, uh, not just helps your own church to carry out its fundamental objective, but, but secondly, it helps to bring people that are not connected to us, that are lost, and brings them into the fellowship. Hey, you used to be lost, you used to be lost, I used to be lost, everybody in here used to be lost. That's right. And now what? Now you're part of a fellowship. A fellowship of this church. You're part of the fellowship of God. How in the world did you get there? Somebody gave you the gospel. That's how you got there. So when you think about missions, you have to think about my missions is more than me putting five dollars on an offering plate. My missions is impacting lost people to help bring them into the fellowship. Hey, listen, most of us at the Lord Terry's are going to die off. You know, and uh Who's going to be a part of the church then? If we're not winning them and training them and teaching them and reproducing them, a church will die out. So the, the way to grow a church is to keep reaching them in your own community so that church could stay on a street corner and continue to grow and expand its borders and so forth. You know, when you're a part of a church for a long time and you're in a small community, by, by, uh, by nature, people don't like to change. They, they like their little church. They like the little fellowship. They don't want anybody to change anything. They just like it comfortable and convenient just like it is. But that's not the plan of God. That's right. The plan of God is to grow and increase and develop and enlarge. And the only way you can do that is missions. Amen. You've got to reach missions. Now, thirdly, I want you to know something else here, if you would. Thirdly, your missions giving not only affects your own church and helping it carry out its objective, and it not only helps reach the lost and bring them into a fellowship, but thirdly, your missions giving and your involvement has a positive effect upon the missionary itself who has been called to go. Look at verse 16 of, go back to Philippians 4, and listen, this is Paul writing, he's the missionary. 
He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. So Paul is sitting here in this verse of scripture, verses 15 and 16, thanking them that they gave. So he's been impacted by your involvement. It's not just your church. It's not just a lost man. But my mission giving is now impacted the missionary. He's now benefiting from my involvement in that. He, he mentions here uh, in verse 15, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when you became acquainted with the gospel yourself, when I departed from Macedonia, so Paul said, when I had to leave the Macedonian area, there was no other church that even gave or distributed or communicated with me concerning giving and receiving. Nobody else helped me, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessities. Missionaries have needs. They've got to have the money to go and take their family to a foreign culture and world and live in that place. And they've got to have the funds to do that. And so we take them on at our church. We add them to our church uh, missions program. We pray for them. We communicate with them. We connect with them. We're always trying to find out what their needs are. When they come back after four years or whatever their furlough is, they come back and report to our church and let us know what God's been doing with them in that particular area. And every time they come back, we have them fill out a needs list. We pass out the needs list to our families and our families buy them this and buy them that and buy them clothes and buy them uh, materials and laptops and whatever it might be because they have a limited amount of support from the country. And these are, they get over there to find out we need a projector so that we can get a mission program going ourselves. We don't have the money to buy a projector. We, we have an old Jeep and we get trying to get up into the jungle, but we don't have enough money to put tires on it. So we're sitting back in America, you know, spending five, six dollars for a cup of coffee at a Starbucks and living in a nice home and so forth. And here's a sweet couple over in some country somewhere saying we just need a few tires for our Jeep. Well, hey, it would be wrong for us not to respond to that. So we don't sometimes not just buy them the tires, we just buy them another Jeep, you know, because the Jeep needs to be replaced or whatever. So we're doing whatever we possibly can to keep our missionaries on the field spreading the gospel. And then they send back the reports of the things that they have. Listen, when you give, the missionary saying, when you give and you help support me, you're affecting me too, not just your church. Look at verse number 17. And he said, now, I didn't ask for all this or thank you because I desired some gift for myself. Missionaries don't come to get gifts. He said, but I do desire fruit that may abound to your account. So when, listen, when you participate in a missions program, Faith Promise Mission specifically, and souls get saved, it results in fruit that goes on your account. So who else is affected by your missionary gift? I, I say, you are. You are. You reach into your pocket, and you put money in an offering, an, an offering envelope, market world missions, or faith promise, or whatever, and you give it to your church, you become affected by that. You say, how am I affected by that? I just gave my money to somebody else. I can see how the missionary is affected by it. I can see if he carries out the gospel, a lost guy is affected by it. I know I'm helping my church, but how am I personally affected by it? Well, Paul says right here, because you're the one that's going to get the fruit from my labors. Fruit. It's going to come back to you. And it's going to go on your account. You know, when I thought about that, when I thought about your account, 
referred to your account. You know, I don't know how many of you have a checking account. Does anybody still here use checks? Okay. Five out of eight or whatever. Still use I still use checks. I'm just old school. I write up checks. Not for everything, but I still have a checking account. Well, I have a checking I asked the church the other day about that. I said, how many of you have a checking account? I think it was me and one other lady and there's like 60 people in the church. And then I said, okay, well, I said, uh, how many of you put your money in a bank? And all, all 60 of them raised their hand. I'm thinking, how do you have a checking account if you, you know, don't have a bank? And how is it that you have a bank if you don't have a checking account? Because they go together. So I, I told her, I said, you know, I have a checking account. And uh, whatever I invest in that checking account, every month my bank, Chase Manhattan Bank, sends me a bank statement. Does anybody else get a bank statement once a month or whatever? And basically it just shows what you put in and what your balances are if you've got more than one account. I have a savings account and I have a, you know, like a card account. I have a debit account. I have a checking account. And it shows the balances. And the balances is really what, uh, it shows on that my account what I've invested into that account. Now, if I don't invest anything for a whole month and I spend all the money out of that account, I'm still going to get a bank statement. And the bank statement is going to say this you have a zero balance in your account. No money. Which, by the way, in the early years of our marriage, we used to get bank statements like that because we lived from paycheck to paycheck we didn't have a lot to say so our checking account usually had a zero balance by the end of the week but over time over years you invest in it and save and so forth but listen to me you you have the the balance that's in that account is what you invested in that account paul is saying when you give to missions or you get involved in missions any fruit that comes back from your involvement whether it's soul saved or a missionary plants a church or whatever and they report back he said that's going to be fruit to your account so basically I, I as a young christian when i first read this i got to thinking about this i've got an account up in heaven that's why the lord says lay up treasures in heaven and not upon the earth you know and so i kind of feel like whatever i give to the work of the lord is an investment in my eternal account. Right. And so when I get to heaven, I just wonder how much on that account did I invest in world missions? Is it a zero balance? Or every time I got fruit, you know, it was being built back up. So the, the balance keeps going up. The more I invest in world missions and the fruit that comes out, it goes into my account. So it, 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 it moved me to stand there and say, man, I'm gonna invest in missions because if I give it to that, it's coming back to my account anyway. It's, it's being invested into a missionary, it's being invested in soul, and, and that, that fruit is coming back on my account. So I just say to you that if, it, if you got a bank statement from heaven today, the Lord would say, I thought I'd send you out a bank statement from heaven to show you what you've invested in, in missions in your account, and uh, here's the balance. I wonder what the balance would be. Think about that for me. Now, is there a checking account in heaven or is there a balance account in heaven? I don't know that. But he said, because I desire, I, because, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I, I, I'm thinking it's gonna go on my account. 
Every time a missionary reports back and say we had two families join our church and they, they got saved, and I know I invested in that missionary, I've got two more investments in my account. It comes back to me. If you're sitting here and you don't give to missions, and they report in that way, you have nothing on your account. That's the way it works. So Paul is saying here, you know what your mission dollars do? Your mission dollars is going to affect you, not just the missionary. Your mission dollars is going to affect your church. It's going to affect the lost. But here's, here's the best one. I'm going to close with this. Look at verse number 18. He said, but I have all and abound, Paul said. I am full, having received of Aphrodite's the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to who? What's it say? To God. So as I was putting this message together, I got to thinking that my mission going and my missions giving and my missions involvement through my church does not only have an effect fundamental upon the church itself, a fellowship effect upon the lost, a furnishing effect upon the missionary, it furnishes his needs, a fruitful effect upon my life, and then it's a fragrant effect upon God. Because he says here, when Epaphroditus brought you, brought to me, the missionary, your gifts, he said it, it was like a sweet smelling savor in the nostrils of God. It was like God was up in heaven and went like this. Whoa, somebody just gave to a missionary. Somebody just knocked on a door and a man got saved. Anytime you get the light of the gospel to somebody else and their results, it's a sweet smelling fragrance. Now my wife likes candles. She not just likes them, she lights them. But, and that's what a candle's for, to light a candle. And she has in her kitchen cabinets down below a lot of wax, candles, strawberry, all kinds of fragrance. But then but I told her, well, after we've got all these candles, every time you go to the store, you buy another candle. We got like 30 of them in the kitchen cabinet. Why don't you use the ones that you got? So now what they did is the dirty dogs went out and did the, they, they produced this thing that you put a little thing in and, and it sends up like a little smoke. You ever seen them? You plug them in and the heat from the electric, and it now perfumes the room. It's not even a wax candle. You don't even have to light a flame. You just plug it in, and it just, poof. You know, makes the house smell good. As I thought about that, I thought about every time the Lord, you know, the Lord's got this thing up in heaven, every time somebody gives, it sends up a little bit of that sweet smell. Now, if nobody's giving the missions and nobody's going, it's not a sweet smell to the Lord. It doesn't smell. In our house, we burn candles because my wife sometimes burns other things, like <laughs> stuff in the microwave and so forth. We, she burnt something here not long ago. I, just, I don't know what it was. She left it in the microwave and she fell asleep on the couch. And I was I go to bed usually before she does because I'm a early riser. She's a night owl. She likes to cook and can at night and stuff like that. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm in bed. I'm smelling something like burnt plastic or uh, some kind of horrible smell. And I've never smelled before. Went out there. Here's the microwave. It's not on fire, but it's melting this thing that she left on in there. And I'm telling you, 
we couldn't get that smell out of our house. And people were going to come over. And so I said, I'm going to go buy me one of these smokers. You know, one of the things you can put in there. We're going to put two or three of them on the house. We're going to light some of these candles <laughs> That still didn't get the stink out of our house. It stunk. So I told him, I said, yeah, we'll have to have you over another time. And, you know, until we get the stink out of our house. I don't want my house to stink. I want it to be a sweet, smelling savor. That's how I want my life to be, too. I want for God. Listen, your missions is affecting God here. He says, listen, when Epaphroditus brought your gifts, wow. It was a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, like a sweet-smelling savor. Does your life stink when it comes to missions, or is your life like a sweet-smelling savor? How I want my life to be. We want to keep giving. We want to keep going. I said that I'm home. We have a, we maintain a, a two-bedroom. Uh, two-bath home. It's not a very large home. We've been in 20 years. It's not like a manufactured house. <coughs> and uh, 20 years we downsized and, and live in a 55 and over gated community. And we, we love it. It's just enough room for Mickey and I and so forth. But um, when I'm home, uh, I go door knocking. When I'm home, if I'm not preaching in church, I'm out knocking doors. I call some of the older members of our church and I'll say, let's go make some visits. And he's 80-something, he's 88 years old. And he goes, okay, come by and pick me up. And so we go in the afternoons during the week, and we're not going. On Saturday, of that 60 adults, I'm one of them. I go out there, I'm out, I want to do my part in getting the word out into the community. When I come to churches like your own here, I told your pastor, let's go door knocking. Let's, go, let's get the gospel. So tomorrow we're going to try to go together and try to get some tracks up. Because I don't, want, I don't want to be in the ministry and just preach. I want, to, I want to carry out the gospel. I want to keep the gospel going out, not just from a pulpit, but I want to do it in the community. So when we go to a church, we're just there to serve that church and do whatever we possibly can to get others to come to that church. Folks, I'm saying all this, listen, because I'm going to leave in a day or so, and you're going to be the church left behind. And what you do for missions is whether or not you take the truths of the Word of God and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the mission program. I want to give, but I want to help my pastor and our pastor's wife to go. And so maybe some of you could go up to your own pastor sometime and say, Pastor, I can't walk a long ways, but I could go maybe half an hour to an hour. And could I make some visits? Could you show me how to make some visits like that? I, I think we ought to train our people to be going all the time. And this isn't like you do it on a Saturday and you do it one other day of the week, so I fulfill my obligation. We ought to be carrying tracks with us, and everywhere we go at the store, you meet people everywhere <coughs> on the track. You say, well, I don't know if they, like, I've never had hardly anybody say, I'm not interested, don't give it to me. They always say, well, thank you very much. And I've seen them read it before. So all, all I'm saying to you is we're not responsible for the results. We're just responsible to do what God's called us to do. And it's to go, and it's to give. If you're not going, you're not doing what God's called you to do. If you're not giving to send somebody else, you're not doing what God's called you to do. So a missions program in a church is to get the members of the church and the pastor and everybody involved in going and giving so a church can broaden its base and have a greater influence. I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight with your heads bowed and your eyes closed.
for just a few moments. I don't, like I say, I don't know you all personally, but I'm pretty sure if I were to ask the question tonight, if you were to die today, I'm sure you'd go to heaven. Probably all of you that are here, um, eight of you that are out there, including the pastor, nine, his wife, I think most of us would probably raise her and say, yeah, I'm saved. I know the Lord. Well, that's wonderful. That means you're a part of God's family. If I were to say, how many of you are here tonight? You're now a member of this church. Because if you're not a member, it's hard to get involved. If you're not a member, you're just an attendee. Then you're not where God wants you to be. You ought to come and say to the pastor, we've been coming here for a while. I've never joined this church. And membership to a church is in the Bible. And you maybe you want to do that. Well, I don't want to be too tied to the church. I don't want to be committed. It, it isn't about what you want. It's, it's all what does God want. severe. 